Welcome to Centerpoint Church, where we are all about loving and leading people to a life-changing connection with Christ. We're so excited that you decided to join us today, and we believe that no matter where you're listening from, this message will enhance your connection with Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, good morning. Hey, you made it. Not just to the end of 2023, you made it to church this morning. Come on now. I'm excited that you clap for that because in a way I'm joking, but the reality is this, what's on my heart is that God has truly brought you here for a purpose and a reason. And it is the last day of the calendar year and naturally our mind does get set on new beginnings or resolutions or whatever you want to call it. But the reality is this, that there may have been some promises some dreams, some goals that were laid on your heart this past year that maybe you didn't see come to fruition or maybe you didn't see actually materialize in your life. But today I believe that in the spirit as we get into God's word, that he is going to release some of those things that you felt were disappointing from 2023 so that you don't carry those over into next year And maybe you feel like, hey, maybe God hasn't come through. God comes through. Maybe it was just not the right timing. And I'm believing that those dreams, those goals, those promises that may have felt like are just turned into discouragement, or maybe you ask yourself, when will things actually change? When will things actually shift? And we look to a day on the calendar year to hopefully help us. But I believe that what I'm going to talk to you about this morning is going to help us get there. Um, I'm excited to be able to share with you. My name is Mike. I have the honor and privilege of being able to serve you guys at this church as the associate youth pastor. Let me tell you this. Our youth youth ministry is the best youth ministry in all the valley. We have great youth ministries throughout our valley. But I'm going to tell you, ours is great. And uh, we've seen God, as Daryl mentioned, 200 some. I, I think it's higher than that. I don't know. Because I'm, I'm old school. I count, you know, three for every one, you know, like <laughs> old school, you know, body, mind, you know, all that. Thing. But we've seen God do a whole lot of, a whole lot of good. And we're looking forward to a, a new year. But it's, it's my privilege to be able to serve you. That you have teenagers, middle school and high school. Uh, thank you for, for the trust and the privilege of being able to be there for you guys. Um, let, me, let me go ahead and, and, and jump into the scripture. I'm going to be turning to John 4, and it'll be on the screens for you in just a few minutes. Um, but I have a bucket list. Anybody else have a bucket list? Things that you want to see done or accomplished before, right? Well, one of those things on my bucket list, one of the great experiences I've always wanted to have was skydiving. Anybody with me? Uh, anybody ever been skydiving? Show me a hand really high. There, okay, there was only six of us before, but now there's like 12. I'm, I'm thankful that we doubled. I'll just call us the, you know, we're the fearless faithful or something. I don't know. Like the majority of us would not jump out of a plane just willingly. Most of you want to stay in the perfectly operational plane. But there's a few of us crazy people in the room. Anybody crazy enough to jump out of a plane? Come on now. See, I added some more now. They're like, I want to be crazy too. You know what I'm saying? Like, I had the opportunity to go skydiving. And it was a uh, surprise. I didn't know. 
So I was blindfolded while I was driven to the skydive center, whatever you call it. Can you picture driving down the freeway and just seeing a guy with a blindfold on in the passenger seat? I mean, this, it wasn't starting off strong at all, you know, but hey, we're there, take off the blindfold, and there it is, skydive. And I'm going, this is it. This is the moment I wanted. I don't know how to feel about it. I'm excited and scared at the same time. I don't know. So I'm going, I'm all game for it. Let's do this. It's a, it's a great thing I've always wanted to do. One of the first things they do is they actually take you to a back room and they have you watch a video. Now, this is back in the day. This video was VHS. Everybody remember VHS? <laughs> Those like black boxes. And they have you watch a video and it's a video of a lawyer. And essentially, the lawyer's saying, in a, to, to, pair, to just get to the point, it's like, if you die today, you cannot sue our facility. <laughs> and I'm going, hey, I feel great about this. <laughs> All right. So you, they exit you out of the room where you watch the little video, and they actually have you sign something, your life away. <laughs> and uh, so I'm not feeling the best about this experience. And then they lead you to another room where... The instructors, which are professionals, because every time you, first time you ever jump, you have to do what's called tandem, which means there's a professional going to help you, right? They wouldn't just let me just jump out of a plane by myself, right? And he's literally just packing a parachute into a backpack. And I'm sure there was a sequence to it. I'm sure he knew what he was doing. But to me, as a novice, as somebody has never done it before, it looked like he was just packing a backpack. He had shorts on, tennis shoes. There was no professional attire at all. And I'm thinking to myself, is this legit? Are we really doing this? So I meet him, and he's a great guy, and kind of instructs me on some stuff. And as I'm getting the instructions on how to properly skydive, he says, one of the most important things that we have to go over is the launch, jumping out of the plane. And they instruct you. You get on one knee, and, and there's, there's a model airplane on the floor, the exact model of what you're going to jump out of in the sky. So you literally get in this model that's on the floor, and you get down on one knee like this, and he's on your back, and you uh, count to three. One, two, three. And you let go. Even though everything inside of you is looking down 13,500 feet at Earth, everything inside of the natural mind says, no. Why? Is this a midlife crisis? What's really going on here, Mike? But the importance of launching is so that when you jump out, you have what is called stable position. And without the stable position of your launch, your fall can be tragic. But the importance of that moment of learning to let go when everything inside says, hold on, is what I wanna talk to us today about. About the things or issues in our life that are not serving us anymore, that for some reason or another we're holding on to, and we've been reluctant to let them go. 
But in order to receive something new, you've got to be willing to release something old. You see, you, you can't have your hands full of something and ask God to pour more into you when you can't contain what you already have. If you want something new or a different method or a path or life in general, sometimes God requires us to put something down to receive something new. But that's the importance of learning to let something go. It's not easy to do. It's not the most obvious thing to happen. So here's the main point I want you to get. I'm going to read it, and then I want you to read it with me. But first, let me read it with you. It says, I'm ready to release what is restraining me so I could run towards what God reveals to me. Can you say that with me on three? One, two, three. I'm ready to release what is restraining me so I can run towards what God reveals to me. I know there's a lot of words there. But very simply put, very simply put, there are things in our life that are restraining or holding us back from actually receiving what God has already revealed to us that he has for our life. And I'm believing that no matter what 2023 has been for you. Some of you may say, you know what, Mike, it's been a year of blessing, God's favor. I'm being blessed and I'm blessing others. It's been great. But maybe another part of us is saying, you know what, it's been rough. It's been hard. It's been a challenge. And then there's a whole other group maybe of us that feel like you just don't understand why. Or you are on the verge of just saying, you know what, I, I'm about to just forget this and I don't even believe anymore or, or about to give up. Anxiety, depression, despair. And I'm believing that over the next few moments, God's going to not only release those dreams and visions, but he's going to allow us the opportunity to put some stuff down. Amen? Amen. It's actually a principle that's found in scripture. When Jesus called the disciples perfect random strangers, what did he say to them? After he said, follow me, they had to put down their nets. I'm going to take it one step further. They even, some of them even left the family trade and family. Right there, in that moment, when God gave an invite, when God gave purpose and a call and said, hey, here's an amazing opportunity that I'm giving you, but guess what you got to do? Put down the net. Stop doing what you're doing. But, but, but my, my father and my family is right over there. This is requiring something. Metaphorically speaking, understand that. There was a requirement that came with receiving something new. And it's throughout scripture. So let's look at this one example of a woman at the well. I'm going to paraphrase it fast because um, short on time. John chapter 4, starting in verse 4. Basically, Jesus and his disciples are walking, and they're basically on tour. They're doing their thing, healing people, going from town to town, baptizing, although Jesus wasn't baptizing at that time yet, and baptizing. So there's a crowd and a following happening. They're going to decide to head back to Galilee, where they're originally from, but it's a journey. It's a hike. They're walking around. You know, they're, they're, it's, it's, it's not easy travel. So that Jesus becomes tired. They become hungry. So on, the, on their way back, the disciples decide, let's go get some food. My translation says they ran to Chick-fil-A real quick. 
And Jesus says, okay, guys, I'll wait right here. I'm pretty tired. And it jumps up and it says, as Jesus sat by this well of water that has cultural historical relevance, a woman comes up. Jesus is alone there, but it's a Samaritan woman. And the issue of the Samaritan woman briefly is that the Jewish people, customary back in the time, and Samaritans had no contact. There was no intertwined or relational issues or or, uh, connections at all. Matter of fact, there was disdain and grumbling and hurt. And it's because the Samaritan people at that time actually built a whole other temple that they called the true temple that the Jewish people looked at as a pagan idol worship thing. So there was conflict. There was different belief. They had nothing to do with each other. Matter of fact, sometimes they wouldn't even walk through the town to get to where they were going. People would cross the whole way just to not have to go through that area because that's where the Samaritans were. So Jesus is here by this well. This woman comes up who's a Samaritan, and he asks her something. He says, can I get a drink? Can I have some water? So she's shocked at this because it's not static. It's it's not appropriate. So he... She goes back to Jesus and says, Jesus, why are you asking me for a drink? We shouldn't even be talking. And he replies back and says, well, if you really understood who you're actually talking to right now, I'll give you better water, water that is going to never make you thirst again, water that you really want. So they have this conversation about issues maybe in her life and what the proper way to worship is. At the end of this extent, the conversation that we're going to unpack causes basically her to go back to her city Tell everybody about this encounter she had with Jesus. Causing Jesus to actually go to that city that he should have never been part of and stay there for two days. And many people were saved and believed in that city. All because of this encounter with this woman. Verse 6 starts it out by saying that they were there at the well in noontime. This is relevant because in those days... When you drew water from a well, it was not an easy task. But you would have to do it repeatedly just to provide water. But most people did it in the morning time. They went to draw water in the morning where it was cool. You did not want to be the one that drew the water a hard task in the, in the afternoon hours when it was hot out. Matter of fact, it exceeded just the obvious. It became a status, status thing. It was a social connection. They would get together and say, oh, when are you going to go down the wall? I'll go with you. Wait up for me. Let's talk on the way. But this woman went alone. This woman, maybe she didn't feel connected with the group or the community. This woman went at a time that it wasn't convenient to go. This woman may not even have been allowed to go in the early morning hours. Maybe there was, she was ostracized or outcast or what, but... The Bible makes it clear to tell you what time of day it was because it gives us a glimpse into what this woman was going through. So moving on, that is happening there. Maybe it's because she's avoiding others and isolation. But Jesus talks to her. But like I said, it wasn't supposed to happen. This woman is an outcast, even in an outcast community. You know, let me stop there for a minute. Do you realize that Jesus was not afraid to break through cultural barriers to get to somebody's heart? 
Do you realize that, that the norm of what you and I or most people would do, that that's not kosher, that's not exactly what we should do, that's not in line with exactly how we should act or be? Yet Jesus was willing to break down the cultural barrier of Samaritan, Jew, whatever it was, and simply talk to this woman. It's my prayer that our heart is the same. They may not look like us, act like us, talk like us, have the exact same belief system as us, but our heart is to reveal God to them regardless that maybe it's not kosher to have this encounter in this moment. But the heart of God is for everybody to be reached. And Jesus said, I'm not afraid of a cultural boundary that says this is not what I'm supposed to do because this woman is hurting. She's here drawing water at noon. What's her story? Verse 10 and 11 says, as he asks her for a drink of water, which is uncommon in of itself, she replies to him, why are you even asking me for water? You and I know who we are. We're different people. We're different worlds. We shouldn't be having this conversation. And he replies to the woman by, if you only knew who you were actually talking to. He says, he would be giving water that will make you never thirst again. The water that you are seeking is one that will have to be thirsty again. But the water that I have is fresh. It's a bubbling spring within them leading to eternal life. So her reply to that offer is, give me some of this water. Then I'll never have to actually be thirsty again. But guess what? Matter of fact, I won't have to come back to this well all the time. This is appealing to her somewhat emotionally but it was also very appealing to the physical task and responsibility of the day. She didn't understand just yet what he was offering her wasn't to get out of her day-to-day -day responsibility. It was fulfillment that may, she may have been looking for and seeking her whole life. So she sees it as appealing because, hey, I don't gotta come back here, it's hot. They don't let me go in the morning. You got a water that I can fill up one time and I'm good forever? Let's do it. Give me this water. Please let me have it. And Jesus' reply was peculiar. So they got an understanding. I got a great water that you want. Okay, I want the water. He says to her response, give me this water is, go get your husband. Hold up. Wait, what did I miss? I thought we were having this good conversation back and forth, what I can offer you, what you, what's happening here. We had a great communication. And all of a sudden, turns. I want this water. Okay, go get your husband. She replies, I don't have a husband. Let me back up. Salvation, what Jesus provided on the cross, that's a free, all you got to do is accept that. But the offer of a complete, fulfilled, satisfied life sometimes will require us to look head on at an issue in our life. You want the water that sounds and feels appealing to you. Sometimes Jesus' reply is, okay, what about your issue? Now, I'm talking about salvation. I'm talking about the fulfillment, the spring, the bubbling, overflowing. You want the water, but we got to talk about something first. Go get your husband. And she's like, what, what, what? I, I don't have one. And he goes, you know what? You're right, you don't have one, you've had five. 
And actually, let me go a little deeper than that. The boyfriend that you're living with right now isn't even your husband. Maybe he was wanting to know if she was ready to be truthful. And he has this conversation, but to dig deeper within this understanding of what we see on the surface is maybe it really wasn't about her relational status or even immorality or maybe whatever you would call it or maybe it was the way we read it. You've had five husbands. Maybe there's more going on there that we don't see on the surface because in those days, culturally speaking, the woman would not initiate a divorce. It was a man. Changes the thought a little bit. Maybe her five husbands wasn't about her promiscuity or immorality or relational issues. Maybe it had more to do with her not feeling that she was ever good enough to be loved. Maybe this outcast in an outcast community was so hurt over and over again that she finds herself alone and isolated, drawing water. Yes, there's some relational issues, I'm sure. Yes, there's some ownership, I'm sure she had taken and had to take. But culturally speaking, it wasn't like today where it's just like whoever wants it, whatever it was. It was, it was not something typical. Even recently, you could see that. But think about culturally in these days. It wasn't her going, oh, okay, I'm done. Want another one. Maybe she felt unwanted, unlovable. Maybe there was something inside of her that she felt like she would never amount to what it, she needed to ever be. Jesus was offering her fulfillment and a life that will satisfy her where the world could not. And she knew it. So the next verse, real quick, verse 19, as Jesus has this conversation with her and she begins to really be open and transparent, what does she do? She says, sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. Tell me why it is that the Jews insist on worshiping here in Jerusalem and we worship somewhere else. To paraphrase the put, she begins to talk about worship. What is going on here in this conversation? Want the water? I have the water. Okay, I want the water. Go get your husband. Hey, you got insight into my life. You're not just an average man. You must be a prophet. Tell me about worship. Whoa, wait, hold on. How many times in my own life, in our own life, has God pointing out an issue that he wants to speak to our heart, an issue that he wants us to address, and we change the subject? All of a sudden, we deflect, we divert. We go, hold on, I want that water, but not like this. I want the water, but not if I have to look straight, square in the face, the issue that you want me to release. Hold on, let's talk about something else. You're a prophet, right? I know a little about worship. I'm sure you know worship. Let's get off the husband thing. Put that back. But it's actually appropriate. 
So Jesus entertains the conversation. He goes, you want to talk about worship? It's not here nor there, no mount or place. It's just going to be worship that's true in spirit and in truth. Maybe it was appropriate to interject that conversation, not just to enlighten her on worship, but maybe it was an offering, a calling to just understand that sometimes just worshiping God in that moment is what we need to let go of all of our issues. Because you know what we do as people? We overthink it. We think it through. We have plan A, B, and C. We figure it all out. And we worship a little bit because we know that's what you're supposed to do. Pray out and worship and then it'll happen. But maybe it was deeper than that for Jesus. Maybe he was saying, you know what? You really want to get to the issue? You want to bring up the issue or you want to talk about the issue? Worship in spirit and in truth. Just let it go. Just worship God. Just lose yourself in in the awe of who he is and stop trying to figure it out on your own. Just surrender and release. In that moment that you know your heart starts to beat, you feel something different. It's a feeling you don't feel anywhere else. Yeah, you may have more fun here or or whatever might happen here, but there's something in this place that cannot be matched anywhere else among the world and you feel it and you know it. And you don't really understand exactly what it is, but there's something different. I feel fulfillment. Uh, Something in me feels like I'm home. I belong there, but I don't know why, because I really don't belong there. Maybe he's saying worship. Worship like you've never worshiped. So moving along, she calls him a prophet, changes the subject, diverts, deflects, but you know, Jesus loves us too much to let us deflect. He wants to talk to the issue. Verse 26 and 28, and I'm almost done. Jesus told her, let me back up. She actually says the last comment about worship is, this is a great conversation we're having, Jesus, but there's a guy, he's the Messiah, the Christ. I heard he's supposed to be coming soon. And maybe he'll clarify this conversation for us a little bit better. Um, I'm going to go ahead and close, Caleb, if you want to come up. You know what he tells her? I am the Messiah. Did you know, besides the disciples, besides people he chose to walk, talk, eat with him, live life, do life with him, This was the first person he revealed himself as the Messiah to directly. Wait, hold on. There were biblical scholars. There were people that knew scripture up and down. There were people that worshiped daily at a temple. But Jesus, matter of fact, I'll take it a step further. When he did miracles, sometimes he said, don't say anything about it. Don't tell me it was me, guys. I got to be behind the scenes just for a little while. Something about this woman 
He felt compelled to be the first person that we recorded in scripture that he will say out of his own breath directly to her besides the disciples. The first common person he ran into in the community say, hey, the person that you're waiting on, the person that you're believing for for ultimate satisfaction and fulfillment is right here in front of you. And he's talking to you right now. God, Jesus, think about it. If you got an issue this morning and you're waiting for God to speak to somebody that you feel more qualified or more knowledgeable or has it all together or some financial status, you know what God says? I'm going to talk and reveal to the outcast woman from the outcast community. I'm going to talk directly to her. Whatever your issue is here today, friend, you're a prime candidate for God to reveal himself to you in such a real way. Well, you say, I thought God reveals himself when I got it all in line and direct. No! That's not been my story. It's not been my walk. It was in spite of my issue. In spite of my struggle, in spite of what I was going through, the hardest times is when I've seen him the most. He reveals himself to those that have the issue. But, she carried a water jar, a water pot. This is the closest thing I could think of or find as something that we refill. We have these in the office, and I'm always chosen to be the one that puts them up there because I'm the strongest guy ever, or strongest guy in the office. In the office, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to offend some of you out there, but in the office, if there's somebody that's gonna lift the water jar, they wait for me to come in, and then I'll do it. Except for Pastor John, of course. These things are heavy. And this woman had to carry something heavy daily, every other day, I don't know. In the hot day, I wouldn't want to do that. But this maybe symbolized the weight, the issue, the thing that for some reason we hold on to. But it says something very significant It says that as the disciples came back after this conversation, it was awkward. The disciples actually say that when they came back from getting food, they're like, why is Jesus talking to this person? But they didn't have enough nerve to actually talk to him about it. So everybody stayed quiet. You know those moments in a room where it's like, oh, what's going on here? You know? Somebody say something. I'm not going to do it. You do it. So the awkwardness was felt. But the woman, it says, in verse 28 or 29, says that she left the water pot, water jar, and ran back to her city to tell people her experience. How many of us, myself included, has received a word from God, a promise, him just speaking to us, 
But what we do is, instead of leaving it right where we had the encounter, we pick it up. And we go about our day. See, God spoke to us in this moment about the issue that we carry, about the weight that he doesn't want us to have to hold on to. And we have an experience with God on church on a Sunday or whatever, and we feel good and God is truly speaking. I don't want to minimize that. But oftentimes our human tendency is to go, God, I feel encouraged. I feel uplifted. I feel like there's more now. I got to go back home. We pick the weight up. If we're not careful, our issue can become our identity. If we're not careful, the issue can become, if you're holding on to it, in some ways it's holding on to you. But she understood something that I've taken time to try to figure out. She understood something that an encounter with Jesus himself should change me 100%. So I might have come into this place this morning with a weight. 2023 hasn't been too kind to me. It's heavy. It's a burden. It's tough. It's unbearable at times. But the offer that Jesus is offering us this morning is one of letting something go. Because when we let it go, it says that she was able to run. Right. <laughs> Metaphorically speaking, I am not one for running. I can't, you know, I'm not great at it. I tire easy. Spiritually speaking, what is the weight that's holding us down that's stopping us from running towards the revelation God has revealed to us? She got it. I'll put it down because I got to run. If I carry this, it's going to slow me down. And I got a purpose and I got a mission and I got a call. There's something more for me in my life. I may have come to the water pot, hurt, ostracized, lonely, not feeling good enough, been passed down from person to person just trying to find my person. But I can't afford to carry that weight anymore. I got to put it down because I got to run. God has called us to run. And we've been walking and it's good. And you've been doing good. And you've been impacting people and you've been faithful and you've been, but you're still carrying it. It's, it's not running, it's walking. Maybe God is saying, Mike, you and some people that you're going to share with on a Sunday morning, need to hear that it's time to put down the weight because I've called us to run. 2023, calendar year, time change, whatever. God is calling us 2024 to run because there are hopes, dreams, callings, purpose that God has already revealed. It's not about him revealing his plan to you as much as it is about us releasing what he's asking us to let go of so that we can receive the blessing. Amen. Would you just stop? Uh, would you just close your eyes?
complete the story, after she ran, she told everybody about this encounter. And it caused, it's the word used, it says streaming to meet this man. Because who is this guy that reached out to this woman? And they may have even been saying like, dang, she, she, she looks different. She's talking different. I see light in her eyes. There's something different about her. And she just left an hour ago to this water well. But she came back a different person. It caused them to stream from the village to go see what she was talking about. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never committed your life to Jesus. You've never had this moment of just accepting what he's already done for us. Maybe you haven't ran to Jesus, even though he's right here waiting for you right now. I want to give you an invitation and offer that a lot of us have taken, myself included, to say, I, I need God in my life. The life's too hard without Jesus. So if you're here this morning, maybe you came during Christmas, and we love it that you chose to come back. But maybe this is your moment. Maybe this is your moment at the well. If you're here this morning and you would say, Mike, I want to join a family. I want to become a believer. I want to commit my life to Jesus. Would you just lift your hand really high, like unashamedly high? And the reason why I ask that is you're contemplating your decision is because we have people that want to just come alongside you in life. Matter of fact, they're going to hand you a Bible and some stuff on what that looks like. But I believe this is some of us moment. Anybody really high, we'll celebrate with you. We'll, we'll clap. I see a few people being handed out. Would you just go ahead and clap for anybody that's maybe committing their life right now, please? Oh, come on. That's an amazing decision. That's an amazing decision. And the second thing I want to ask um, applies to all of us in some way or another is I want you to, as we worship over the next few minutes, would you ask God to speak to you and reveal to you what your issue is that you need to let go of today? And maybe in the natural, it doesn't feel right, but you realize that it's your issue today. And here's what I want to do. Whatever that looks like for you, during worship, if it's symbolically just dropping something up here at the front of an altar, if it's just worshiping at your seat, lifting your hands if you've never done that before, if it's coming to one of our prayer partners and saying, here's my issue I need to let go of, but here's what I want the most out of anything is that when you leave these double doors in the next five minutes or so, that you don't pick up the weight that you came in with. So whatever that looks like for you, put it down. But there needs to be an action that happens of you symbolically putting this weight down because we're called to run in 2024. So I invite you to stand. This amazing worship team is gonna lead us just for a few minutes and then we'll come and close it out, okay?